Hello and welcome to the Canadian Podcast. Thanks very much for choosing our podcast. My name's Andrew Campbell, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Sarah Sash. Hey, Andrew. Uh, I can actually say good to see you today because... We're trying something new. We're embracing technology and uh, we're trying doing this on video as well as uh, over the airwaves. Which then means the background. And I never really clued into that before we did this. But like I should maybe do the dishes (laughs) next time before we do a podcast because... I can see in the back corner my morning coffee mugs are still Just shows there. you're a good farmer. Your background isn't showing. Your house must be perfectly clean because I see no dirt no, in your I'm background. No, I'm going with the hostage effect. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> the hostage effect. But I think it, it is interesting to be able because I, I don't know, you know how many other podcasts you listen to and watch, but certainly, you know, for me, I, I love consuming information, um, you know, via podcast. So it's, it's fun to be able to try new things like video just to be able to give new opportunities for people to yeah, listen and watch. It'll be interesting to see how this one goes. So, Andrew, today at the podcast, we're talking about, we're actually talking about methane, um, which we know is a powerful greenhouse gas. And uh, we also know our cows produce quite a bit of it. So this is going to be an interesting one, just getting into what we can do on our farms to start to try to influence this. Well, I think certainly, you know, as we, as it blends with the context of the dairy farmers of Canada and their, um, you know, objective of going net zero by 2050. There's, there's certainly a lot going on and a lot of efforts being made to how can we as farmers reduce our impact um, on, on climate change. So when we look at ways in how we can tackle it on the farm, including genetic advances that could help us reduce methane emissions in a sustainable long-term fashion, Bringing in our guest today is going to be a big help for me, certainly, trying to figure all this out. So we're going to talk in a moment with our guest, Brian Van Dormal from Lactinet. Our guest today has nearly 40 years of experience in genetic improvement of dairy cattle in Canada. He was born on a family dairy farm in Ontario and later received his bachelor degree in animal science and master's degree in animal breeding from the University of Guelph. In 1986, he accepted an offer from CIAQ in St. Hyacinth, Quebec, as director of genetics. During his nine years in this role, he was a member of CIAQ's executive team and grew to manage all elements of the genetic programs for dairy cattle and beef cattle. Then he became the general manager of the Canadian Dairy Network for 24 years of its existence before the creation of Lactinet in 2019. He was also appointed as Holstein Canada Chief Executive Officer while maintaining his responsibilities as GM at CDN. And for his entire career, he's been a member of the Genetic Evaluation Board and involved in the allocation of industry funds aimed at supporting research, mainly in the area of genetic evaluations of dairy cattle. Internationally, Brian has been the Canadian representative to Interbowl for nearly 25 years and was the 2016 recipient of the ICAR President's Award. He is now Chief Services Officer at Lactinet. Brian, welcome to Canadian Podcow. Hey, thank you. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have the opportunity to talk about this important topic with you. 
Well, thank you for taking the time to be with us today, Brian. It sounds like you've got no shortage of experience on these topics, so we're looking forward to chatting with you. And your career efforts were rewarded in 2023 with the Dairy Cattle Improvement Industry Award of Distinction, which you received a few weeks ago. Congratulations. Have you got another 40 years in you? <laughs> well, thank you for that. And it was truly an honor uh, you know, to be recognized by your peers and your colleagues in the industry uh, yeah, no, not another 40 years, but uh hasn't felt like 40 years in the first place. Uh, I always say that uh, you don't, if, if you're loving what you're doing, you never work a day. So I, I always say I never really worked a day in my life. Uh, I've loved my job and had a great opportunity. Well, and I think certainly the dairy industry has been, been lucky to have you for so long, Brian. And, you know, as we look at, you know, what really is kind of a new transition for all of us when we do talk about this sustainability piece and just the important that it's going to the importance it's going to play on all of our farms. Um, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun conversation today to talk about methane because Lactinet has launched the new genetic evaluations for methane efficiency um, back in April. But if we can kind of even back up a little bit more with the basics, like methane's obviously, you know, a greenhouse gas. We know that. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, why are people targeting methane in particular and, and what's the relation to do with, you know, the cows on our farm? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So the basic fundamental part is greenhouse gases are made up of three different gases. The first is carbon dioxide. And in Canada, carbon dioxide represents 80% of the greenhouse gases we're producing. The, the second one is nitrous, uh, nitrous oxide, and it's only representing 8%. And methane represents 14% of the greenhouse gases that Canada is producing. Uh, when we narrow that down to the agricultural sector, agriculture is only responsible for about 10% of all of the greenhouse gases that that Canada emits and, 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 and that Canada produces. And then when we narrow that down even further to the dairy sector, the dairy sector is less is responsible for less than one and a half to two percent of all greenhouse gases that Canada's producing. So the dairy sector is a small contributor, relatively speaking, to greenhouse gas. But, you know, Dairy Farmers of Canada has, has, has made this target and we have to be responsible and take responsibility for for our contributions, and if we can make that one and a half percent, even less, uh, for Canada and for global warming, then that's important for us to do. So, um, the element that comes down to is that when we talk about it from a dairy cattle perspective, it mainly our focus is on methane, and and, and that basically is related to the animals that we keep and, and and the way that animals can produce methane. So there's a lot of numbers there. When when you look at all the greenhouse gases that are emitted during the production of a kilo of milk, both on and off the farm, would you still say methane is the largest contributor to the ecological footprint of milk? Yeah, well, uh, well that's why I was saying that when when we produce one liter or kilo of milk, basically half of the carbon footprint of that one liter comes from the animal side of a dairy farm. So the animal side are the cattle and the animals we keep. And the, the rest of that other half comes from uh, production, like uh, producing feed and cropping and, and the land use. 
The third area is management of our manure and, and things like that. And then there's other costs that relate to transportation and energy and these kind of buildings and stuff. So if you take half of it is coming from the animal part, and the animal part is actually only contributing this methane, that's why we say for dairy, dairy industry and dairy farmers, our best way, the primary way to control it is by looking at the methane that the animals are producing on our farms. So then let's talk about that a little bit, Brian, in terms of like offsetting that, because if the cows are if the cows are having such a big impact on that methane production, um, you know, uh, you know, basically, what are what are some ways to help offset or reduce or, or what would have the impact on increasing or decreasing the methane that those cows are producing? In dairy cattle, we generally talk about two ways of reducing how much methane an animal can produce. And, and the first way is by nutrition. So if you feed an animal some additives or some supplements to its regular ration, those, the control of those ration, those supplements, it can affect uh, what's going on in the rumen and, and therefore change, change uh, the way or the amount of, uh, of uh, methane that, the, that that cow emits into the air. The second one is through genetic selection, where we actually identify animals that do emit more and the ones that emit less, and that we do genetic selection to focus on those that are more efficient uh, in, in, in terms of their usage of feed uh, without, without producing as much methane. When did you realize that genetic selection could be used to reduce these emissions ultimately? I mean, it seems like something that could be, but how did you actually sort out that this was something that could be effective and uh, work on it that way? Well, that's, that's an excellent question, but it's actually a very easy answer for me because uh, we know that if there's anything that's out there in our herds and in our animals that has variation, then we can select for it. If you don't have variation, then you can't select for it. So if we know that some cows produce more methane and other cows produce less. So the fact that there is variability means automatically that there is a potential to select genetically for improving those traits and select those animals at the high end of the desirable scale rather than not uh, on, rather than the bottom end on the undesirable scale and that's how we do genetic selection for any trait in dairy cattle exactly so that I mentioned off the top Brian in terms of like you know back in April Lactinet launched the first like genetic evaluation aimed at reducing methane emissions in dairy cattle um, it strikes me that that Lactinet is is the first. Like you know, nobody else thought of that. Is this just a priority you guys felt like? Like where did this drive this this you know basically being the first in the world? Where did this drive come from? Well, when we talk about our methane efficiency evaluation and and, and the fact that we're first, I I use I often say this this did not come by chance. I mean this this came by foresight, it came by planning, it came by investment of energies. Uh, so this all started by you know research that we started 
applying for funds for about more than 10 years ago and got government funding or funding into our research programs to try and figure out how can we collect data on cows that have methane. So we measure the methane. It's not whether or not, Sarah, we can actually select for it, but how do you actually measure it on an individual cow is our big challenge, okay? And, and so how do we get that done right? And, and we knew a long time ago, it, the world knew a long time ago, that we would be able to do this and that this trait was going to become more important in today's world of looking for sustainability traits, right? So we invested in the research, and then what happened is that uh, the University of Guelph in 2021, 2022, came up with a pivotal research result that basically says when we look at a cow's milk sample that we use at Lactinet for milk recording purposes, when we analyze that sample, we come up with over a thousand data points. And what their research showed is that we can use those thousand data points and machine learning applied to them to actually be a very good predictor of a cow's methane production. So once we discovered that research, we said, wow, we're in really good position here at Lactinet. We already have millions of those cows and milk samples analyzed since 2018 stored in our database. So now all of a sudden we can look at this strategy of, of using that milk sample data, milk spectrometry data is what we call milk spectral data, as a predictor of methane for each cow. And therefore, we were able to move quickly, and my geneticist team moved quickly, into the establishment of a genetic evaluation system that produced methane efficiency. So we're first in the world only because the research came out very quickly. We were current in the research, knowledgeable, and we had the data ready, and then we, we prioritized its development. Rest assured, there are other countries not far on our tailcoats about offering something very similar in other, other parts of the world. Definitely no shortage of data points to analyze in the, the Canadian dairy industry, never mind worldwide. So it's pretty amazing exactly. that you're putting all those pieces together and taking the steps to do that. We'll learn more about how genetic selection can help reduce methane emissions with Brian Ben Dormal in a moment. But first, here's a message from our sponsor, as always. As a chef, I like composting because it gives back to the earth. Hey, Aaron. How do dairy farmers help protect the planet? On my farm, I compost manure. This helps reduce the carbon footprint of milk production. Plus, manure makes for richer soil, which can help grow crops. So it's like the circle of life. Yeah, we're working towards a more sustainable future. I'm in, are you? I'm in. That's Dairy Farming Forward. Dairy Farmers of Canada, net zero by 2050. We're back with Brian Van Dormal, Chief Services Officer at Lactinet. Brian, as we were saying, in response to the needs of the dairy industry, you looked at genetics as a solution. What are the advantages of genetics compared to other strategies, let's say, in managing this issue on farm? Mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned before, the really other opportunity is through feeding and nutrition. And, and I suspect that there is going to be some progress in that area and that farmers using certain products that are proven to be effective will have some impact uh, in helping reduce methane emissions over time. And, and that may be a more short-term solution. 
The downside, however, is that if you stop feeding those additives, stop feeding those supplements, the benefit goes away again. Whereas in genetic selection, when you make one step pro progress, you, that step is permanent, and then that genetic progress achieved in one generation can get passed on to the next generation. So our objective from a genetics point of view is that we have a target to achieve between now and the next 25 years of 2050. And if through genetic selection, that's multiple generations of cows and breeding and, and heifers born on every dairy farm that generates generation after generation. So we say that when you pay attention to this methane efficiency and use it today, you can start making progress and it'll be permanent and it'll be cumulative over the multiple generations you'll have between now and 2050. And it doesn't go back. So, so this is why we feel that genetics will be a very important tool for the future. So can you walk me through this, Brian, a little bit in terms of like how as a farm or how as an industry we can kind of analyze this a little more concretely? Because, okay, we know that, you know, maybe there's maybe there can be a reduction here, but but like, how do we measure that? And how do I as a farmer know, okay, this year I was at, you know, whatever the number is, and 10 years from now I'm at this number? Like, how, how, do, we, how do we figure that out? Or is that kind of in what your planning process is like? Can you, can you walk us through a little bit of some of those concrete numbers? Yeah. So it's true. As a dairy industry, we need to establish a metrics for measuring progress of to reach the objectives. And these are very high on the priority lists of Dairy Farmers of Canada. And DFC has partnered with Lactinet because of our data to help be one of the industry organizations to supply those metrics so that we can set to benchmark for today and then measure in five years, 10 years, or 25 years from now, how much progress have we actually achieved. So it is true that today we we don't yet have all of the tools in place to measure, but Dairy Farmers of Canada, Lactinet, and other industry partners are building those today and putting some in place. At Lactinet, we do have a herd sustainability report, and it tells some of the strengths and weaknesses of each herd in achieving sustainability uh, indexes and which herds are the most current in sustainability, but pro progressive that way today. But we do need concrete metrics to measure our progress over time so that we're not just making up numbers. And we, with, the, with Dairy Farmers of Canada, prefer to do this ourselves rather than have government impose those metrics onto us. We have a lot of good data and we can show that that data is a really good measure of how well each herd is doing over time. So all of us that work in dairy in Canada know that there's such a wide variation across the country. I mean, in this case, there must be a lot of variations from one day to the next, from one farm to the next, from one region to the next. Uh, what are you doing to be able to capture all of that and come up with something that works nationally? Yes. So that that's that's true for all traits that we look at in genetic evaluations. You can have one herd and the next herd and milk production can be high for one and lower for the other. And within the herd, they, they, they vary. Cows are high, cows are low. Uh, 
herd to herd things are uh, feed feed rations are different management systems are different and this is no different in how methane production and how methane is emitted from each cow there is variability between cows in the same herd there's variability across herds and then there is variability across the provinces and across the different provinces because cows are generally going to be fed different things and environment and climate is different so in genetic evaluations we look at the same animals in the same herd and compare them with each other because they are having the same same feed ration. So what we call those as herd mate contemporaries. They're, they're, they're cohorts in the herd mate. And so in the same environment with the same ration, some cows are doing better than the others. And we look at their performance, their pedigree, and now their genotype, their DNA, to kind of determine those genetics that do well in that herd versus those genetics that do poor in the herd. And you do that across all of our herds in Canada. So, so that's how we actually account for those differences. They, they do exist, but they're not all genetic differences. We're trying to isolate the genetic difference here. So then... From my perspective, you know, here, well, both Sarah and I are obviously farming on different ends of the country, but, you know, in terms of, you know, when, I, when I'm walking through some of this, like, how, how complicated is this going to be to use? Because, like, when I think about all of those components that you talk about, you know, it's, it's a complicated issue, but when it comes down to it, what I, what I really want is just, okay, when, when I'm making these selections, something that is easy to say, you know, is it, is it helping or not type thing? Can, can, can you walk through, what, what's the impact to me as I try to use this? Yeah, so it actually should be fairly easy to use. Uh, any farmer in Canada that has been looking at bulls and proof sheets or information provided by Lactonet or by AI companies, they all have evaluations on different traits. There's a category of traits we call functional traits, and they are expressed on a scale that we call relative breeding values, where the average bull in the country is set to a value of 100, and the best bulls in the country are rated like 115 or higher, and the worst ones are 85 and lower. So there's that range of 85 to 115, and we've expressed methane efficiency on that exact same scale. So people know that if they use a bull of 110, they got a heck of a good breed improver. They got a bull of 105, they got one that's going to make some significant gain, and the average bull is 100, and below 100, you're actually below breed average. And so the interpretation of the numbers that are out there is very easy and represents a scale that they are very familiar with that we've already been using for decades. So genetics selection can take some time uh, before the herd is truly effective, like you're building on these traits, but it's building over time within the herd. In the meantime, what can we do? Like, we need to be looking at proof sheets. Maybe Andrew's cows need to eat less beans? No, I don't know. <laughs> what, uh, what can we do on the farm in the meanwhile while we're building these genetic traits? In my opinion, the first step that, that we need to do as a dairy industry is increase our awareness 
which is part of what you're doing here by the podcast, is just to get the dairy farmers to understand what are we talking about? What is this subject? Why is it important? And Dairy Farmers of Canada has also put together a guide to help farmers better understand the multiple paths forward, the multiple things that they can pursue or look at to make their farm more sustainable in the future. And some of these things won't apply to every farm. For example, planting trees or creating marshlands and, you know, uh, those types of things. But other things will be very pertinent, both in soil and manure management. And and perhaps in the way we feed our cattle, that, that, that is a shorter term solution. But I will repeat to say that the genetic selection we need to start today, if we really want it to have that opportunity to have that major impact it can have between now and 2050. We know that if a herd owner uses methane efficiency today and starts selecting sires based on that, that are breed improvers for that trait, they can reduce the methane in, produced by their herd by 20 to 30% between now and 2050. So basically, that's already a very significant gain. You can drop your herd methane production by a third, a quarter to a third. Uh, by that time, through genetic selection, you can do other things as well. That helps achieve that net zero that we're looking for. We need to produce less, and then you look for other ways of compensating a, a credit back as well. Well, Brian, certainly, um, you know, when we when we look back at what it's taken and, and what I didn't realize is is just how long it's taken, um, you know, for you to get here, certainly to be able to be part of creating the world's first official genetic evaluation to try to decrease and put that mark, um, you know, with methane emissions in dairy cattle, um, you know, it is certainly a big step forward, I think, for all of us, as you said, you know, get towards that uh, 2050 goal. So the methane efficiency indicator in the Holstein breed from Lactinet and CMEX Canada has been nominated for not one, but two Dairy Innovation Awards from the International Dairy Federation. The winners will be announced on October 16th in Chicago. Um, we're rooting for you and your entire team um, on doing this because certainly it's 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 going to have a big impact on not only us in, here in Canada, but as you said, as, as other countries are, you know, kind of catching up to us, obviously, you know, an impact globally. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And obviously, we're very thrilled and excited to be uh, amongst the, the three uh, the three finalists in each of these two categories with this innovation. We're proud of the innovation. Uh, I will be uh, going to the, the IDF uh, Dairy Summit to be in the audience and, and hopefully can, can be present uh, under an announcement where we've actually won something. Uh, but really what this has come as it, 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 this has come as a product of of the way we work in Canada and our industry. I say we're a big country, but we're also a small country and we're, we're big enough for achieving some finding investments in research and being innovative and actually implementing positive things. But yet we're small enough where we understand that we need to collaborate with each other. Dairy Farmers of Canada. Lactinet, CMEX as a, as a farmer-owned AI company, Holstein Canada and the breed associations. We do work very well together. And of course, we invest in research, so our research community is right there with us. And I think this demonstrates 
what the outcome can be of a really strong collaboration of all those stakeholders together. So we can all be proud. Uh, on October 16th, if we win this innovation award, we can all be proud. Well, best of luck to you and the team, Brian. We'll all be here thinking of you for sure. And thank you so much for joining us. Hey, you're very welcome. And thank you for, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. So I have to say methane is something that I keep hearing about in the industry. I know it's something that we could really move the ball in terms of our, you know, road to 2050 and all of that. But I didn't know a lot about the genetic side of it. I mean, you hear a lot about feed components. I make jokes about beans, but we know that it's not just pulses that are doing it. <laughs> um, but I really didn't understand prior to this just how much work and time and resources have been invested um, in Canada in this topic and uh, where we can go from here with genetic selection traits. I mean, Andrew, did you, are you all a genetics guy? Are you up to speed on all of this? Well, I, I think it's not, not nearly <laughs> obviously where Brian's at. I think it's interesting though, that, I mean, you know, when that proof sheet comes through, it's always a case of, you know, balancing, you know, what you want, what you need and all of that. And I think it, it really is interesting to be able to have that kind of one more column that, you know, if you're trying to pick, you know, which one, you know, this one or that one, you can, you know, kind of decide that would that would probably be my strategy. But I know other ones. Um, you know, other farms over the period as all of these, you know, proofs come in and new tools come through, you hear from farmers that are, you know, kind of taking that and say, no, they're going to go all in on this trait or that trait. So it'll be interesting to see that, you know, as, as we see more and more of that, how different farms use and react to that. I agree. Interesting is what it is. And it'll be neat to see as it evolves how much influence this can have in our industry and what kind of impact it can make over time. Because like you said, it's an overtime that's got to build and uh, the, the impact that we could have worldwide as well when Canadian genetics are going elsewhere. And this is something that we're including as part of the, the stuff. Yep, it absolutely is. So that does it for this episode of the Canadian PodCow. Of course, it wouldn't be possible without our production team, Bruce Sargent and Carl Belanger. And a big thanks to our sponsor, the Dairy Farmers of Canada. Thanks to all of you as well for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, have a listen to our other episodes on canadianpodcow.ca. We'll talk to you soon on another episode of the Canadian Podcast.